it and I'm just gonna get my phone off of coverage here. There we go. Okay, so I don't know if I should put my ear pods in. Uh, taking this part of your day to have this chat. I'm really excited to have you here and to get into some of this stuff officially on the on the record. Same. Yeah. <laughs> so no, for our same. listeners, yeah, for our listeners, I'll just do a brief intro here. So Allison is an entrepreneur, executive leader, mentor, and writer in consumer packaged goods, natural health, cannabis, and education since 2003. She began her career studying natural medicine, then pivoted into business acquiring a business degree, and then dabbled in some postgraduate research in toxic emotions in the workplace. That's, that's a heavy topic. <laughs> and all, with all of that foundation, she has built and now oversees a portfolio of businesses that foster positive, healthy, and productive workplaces. You know, you've definitely been, been through it, for sure. Yeah, so. just a few things. <laughs> You know, there's a book, it's called um, Mastery. I think it was Graham Greene, I'll look, but it talks about how as entrepreneurs, we sort of like go from all these different avenues, but eventually it all sort of intersects into one thing. So yeah, so true. You know, that's just how we roll. Nice. Um, so I know we've chartered, chartered a lot of the same paths in life and maybe let's start with that. So what has led you to this entrepreneurial self-employed life? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, right? Because I, you know, I kind of look back in all of my history. And, you know, I think I had my first job when I was 13 years old, right? Like, I think I was, I was busing at Smithy's Pancake House uh, <laughs> in Port Alberni. And so I, I remember just from a very young age that I, I always wanted to make money. That was always a thing. Right. Um, but, you know, when I go back to the entrepreneurship side of things, like as long as I can remember, I have done something entrepreneurial, even back when I was super, super young, I started even by making really ugly drawings when I was five years old and going and forcing my neighbors to buy them, right? So I was totally that kid that would like, you know, this is such a beautiful drawing. Can you please buy it from me, right? And of course they'd feel bad and I'd, you know, I'd make money. But then from that early age, like I just, I just kind of had that taste for what it's like to, to create something and to make money from it right um and then you know when it came to more official entrepreneur things in my early 20s was when I had my kind of first like official entrepreneur gig I think I was about 23 when I started my first business in the all-natural spa and wellness space and then from there I sort of bounced back and forth from you know having an executive role with you know another company in the natural medicine space um, and then I would kind of go back to entrepreneurship and then I'd be an executive again and I'd sort of just back and forth back and forth back and forth but you know, leading to where I am now, it, I think that the biggest driver really was what I experienced in the workplace after becoming a mother, right? And so, you know, I actually was an executive when I ended up having Ivana. And so I started to experience 
this whole wave of things that I'd never seen before. And I, you know, as a woman in executive space, you already kind of have these obstacles just as a woman without a child. But then all of a sudden when I had a child, all of a sudden there was this whole nother level of kind of like discrimination and limitations and lack of understanding of work-life balance. And it was just so incredibly overwhelming and intense that it really pushed me to kind of realize what matters in life right what, what matters in life is you know friends and family and relationships and you know I wasn't fostering that when I was in the executive world right I was spending all of my time with my coworkers. I was traveling you know, all over the world I think I even remember the first the first year or two years of Ivana's life um because I remember I, I was working in the cannabis industry like while I was pregnant actually and then um, you know, while uh, while she was little, little, I was I was in that industry, and I didn't take like a full year of mat leave or anything. Um, but I remember, I think I missed four months of her life, like in total, right? In the first two years of like I'd be in Germany, and then I was in New York, and then I was in LA, and then Las Vegas, and it was just this constant thing. I'm like, I'm spending more time with people who I work with than I am with my own friends and my own family. And I was like, this has to change, right? So I really wanted that flexibility. I wanted that kind of freedom, like even though entrepreneurs, you know, it's funny because, you know, anyone who is an entrepreneur and listening to this, they're probably like, this isn't flexible. This isn't freedom. We work all the time. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I do work a lot, but I still do have the ability to pick my daughter up from school. I don't have to get after school care because I have the flexibility to do my own schedule, right? I can pick her up. I could take her to any appointments that she needs through the day. I can, you know, take a little bit of time off if I want to during, you know, specific hours. And I don't have to ask anybody for permission, right? So I think that that was the, the really big piece that was the, it was kind of like the nail in the coffin for me. And, you know, it's kind of coming to my mind right now is something that Mark Cuban said, Mark Cuban from Shark Tank. Uh, and he said, I would rather work 80 hours a week for myself than 40 hours for somebody else. And at first when I was like, you're nuts, man. But then I sat back and thought about it. I'm like, I get it. I totally get it. Right. So that's, uh, that's definitely played a big part, that whole scenario um, to getting us where we are right now. Yeah, it reminds me of um, a few things that I made notes to respond to here are, you know, like how our idea of success changes yeah. um, as we become mothers. And I think just as we become older, um, but that idea of success is it's not that, you know, maybe when we were younger, the idea of being able to fly all over the world and have these executive positions was like, yeah. wow, that's success. But now I it's matter. Like having, yeah, <laughs> having the freedom to do what you want and to create the schedule you want. And the money is just the means, you know, to, to provide that. So working for yourself definitely allows you to have that freedom. And that means so much more than any title or, you know, you got traditional it. words of success or ideals of success. So true. So true. Yeah. And then the other piece was like how executive roles and how sort of corporate, I don't know what you call it, corporate world, corporate life. Um, sort of goes along with the male hormone cycle, like a male hormone cycle resets every 24 hours. So the nine to five is actually built around a male hormone cycle. What? Whereas females, this is a piece I didn't know. Yeah. Whereas females, um, obviously we're on like a 28 day hormone cycle. So that nine to five is really hard. And then, you know, throwing in motherhood and shifting up and aging and anything really just adds to that sort of complexity of working in an executive corporate position. That's a really good point. 
that's a really good point. That's something that I really didn't know. But yeah, just one more thing in our world that was designed for for the fellas. <laughs> right? Yeah, which makes it harder. And I think which also like drives a lot of women like us to entrepreneurship and self-employment is just because of these things that just don't fit with our life. Um, you know, for me, I have a problem with authority, but um what do you, know, you mean? <laughs> No, I hear you. Uh, So that's definitely a long and winding road. And I mean, they say the path is never a straight line, but like what keeps you motivated? What keeps you going? This is, you know, it's, it's challenging being self-employed and, you know, being motivated every day, especially with all that up against you. Yeah. You know, and I think you really made a good point there just talking about the long and winding road, right? You know, and I kind of liken it to the peaks and valleys of of life in general, right? Where, you know, there were times in my life where, you know, I was riding super high and just like, this is amazing. Life is awesome. And then all of a sudden you're in this valley and you're just like, this is terrible. Everything bad happens to me all the time. Nothing good ever happens. And then, you know, you're back to the peak and then you're in the valley and then you're in the peak and then you're in the valley. But I think the most important thing for me and I don't know if it was just something that I was born with I'm assuming it's just like I have this internal fire this it just burns right Um, and I can see the end game of what I want in my life and I just keep going for it right and so you know that is paired with an unnatural obsession with Starbucks I can say that that keeps me going a lot right grandes uh but you know really it is that end game it's that constant striving for enlightenment right so you know the more awake that I get as I go through life and the more things I learn then the more interested I become in learning more and then doing more and helping more people and it really is a beautiful thing to look back and to realize that I do have this motivation like I know that I can change things I know that I can create things and I really know where I want to be in life because I've been in every different situation in life you know like I grew up uh, in a, a low-income family uh, my fa- my parents were divorced I've, and there was you know some serious sessions in my life that I went through that I think that a lot of other folks who didn't necessarily have that fire to keep them going would have not necessarily been able to keep going on right? But there's something, something in here, something in here. I have a bigger purpose. I've got things to give back now that I've experienced so much in my life. And I've got all of these different learnings and lessons and things that I can feel like I can share and I can help make life easier for other people. And that is that fire that really just keeps me going. You know, every day I know that there's a bigger purpose and I can see it. You know, so I'm here now, I can see where it is, and I've got that fire to keep going to get there. Yeah, I hear you. I have the same, and I know we have a lot of the same background, um, and it, it it just won't go away. And sometimes I wish I would, you know, sometimes I wish I could I just commit to a full-time job and you imagine um, the city? be happy. <laughs> and just keep you know plunking away but for whatever reason whenever I do that there's that thing inside me that's like what are you doing you need to be you know 
on this mission. Um, and so you've worked in the cannabis industry for many years and as a herbalist for years before that. I think it's safe to say you're a propon proponent of plant medicine. Um, can you speak a little bit about how and why you took that road? Yeah, that's a that's a big one. That's a big one because kind of when I look back and now realize the role that plant medicine has played in my life, it's it's a bit shocking, right, to actually sit back and and look at my life as a whole and see what those big influential pieces really were. But as long as I can remember, I've loved plants. Like, again, you know, kind of like I had chatted about with my entrepreneurship, going back to the early earlies, um, I can remember when my parents were still together. So that was like before I was five. Uh, I can remember always being in the backyard and harvesting things and making potions and, you know, grinding grass into paste and, you know, putting it on like cuts and stuff like that, like just things that I just naturally did when I was a little kid, um, always, you know, gardening and making gardens, never wanting to weed or anything and never wanting to do like a real manual labor <laughs> no, or anything, but no. planting the seeds, if you will. Uh, but why, the why I got into plant medicine, uh, it, it honestly, it did start with cannabis, right? It totally did. And not kind of like, you know, in 2013, when it became, you know, a, a thing uh, in Canada, when people started getting licensed producer licenses, like this happened way before that. This happened when I was about, I think I was about 15. You know, I remember, uh, I think it was grade eight. That's my first experience with cannabis. Uh, and it's funny, and uh, I'll uh, remove any names to pr protect the innocent who were <laughs> with me at that time. Um, but uh, you know, in all seriousness, anyone who knows me from high school is probably like having a good chuckle right now. Oh, Allison and cannabis. Yes. But really, it's true. I remember <laughs> the first time that I smoked cannabis. Um, it was the first time that I had a good sleep. And I know that sounds kind of insane. It's like, Allison, like you're 15. Like, I'm sure you slept well before that. But but really, no, I didn't. I was a very, very troubled kid, right? Uh, I had uh, a lot of barriers uh, facing me when I was a young folk. And so I can remember even being eight years old and staring at my alarm clock at three o'clock in the morning, wondering if I was ever going to get to sleep. You know, all, all of those different pieces of how kids process traumas. Um, but then cannabis gave me the sleep that I needed. And I remember that I was on board from that day forward, right? It just was something that I probably didn't realize back then, you know, that like, oh, wow, look, cannabis is benefiting my life, right? But it was just like, I had this amazing sleep, you know, I felt great um, after I used it, I felt refreshed um, and it just became part of my life from there. And like, sure, did I abuse it at times? Like definitely through periods of my life, but then again, you know, maybe not. Like, is it abuse if you're using it as a medicine, right? Like that's something that I look back on, right? Because, you know, my parents will give me the gears sometimes every once in a while. Oh, well, then you were such a stoner. Really? Was I? Was I? Or was I like finding relief in this medicine, right? So if you're living a productive life with good relationships and good health, is it really abuse, right? Because had I went to the doctor back then, um, and, you know, said, well, I'm not sleeping, or I've got anxiety, or I've got this, that, and the other thing, like, they would probably load me up with sleeping pills, anxiety meds, antidepressants, right? So if cannabis helped me through some of these really hard years, was it really abuse, right? It's something to think about. So, you know, when I look back, that really was that point in my life where uh, plant medicine rolled in. 
That's a great question. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because you know today with everything being legal and you know being allowed to to smoke or you know consume, I should I should say, um, would it be different if it was back then? You know there was this big stigma around it, and you know really that is what you were doing was like self medicating. And I mean it was fun at the same time too, but yeah, totally right. <laughs> you know the benefits yeah. um, certainly outweighed it. Yeah, I think so, you know, and then, you know, the other part of the question is that, you know, you kind of mentioned, like, how did I sort of get into the plant medicine and, you know, we kind of covered the why a bit, but, you know, the how there's, you know, a few other components to that, right? Like, you know, with the self-medicating, as, as I just sort of chatted about, um, that kind of continued as I grew up and my health was awful growing up, right? Like, I mean, and again, I think just as a youth with the barriers that I faced, yeah, I had all kinds of different issues and, you know, anxiety. And like I said, sleeplessness, I had, you know, major digestive issues and stuff. And so, um, you know, with that, I never got any relief from mainstream medicine. In fact, the doctor that I had in Port Alberni, and again, I'll protect the innocent in case that guy's still alive. But I, I can remember going in there with symptoms and he would open up his insight, like, like encyclopedia, his like, you know, his big doctor manual. And he would look up my symptoms and flip through and be like, mm, I think you have this. And then kind of look at the corresponding medication that I should be taking. And then he would send me on my way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it just it all kind of started, you know, coming together. And then I had an experience in my I think I don't know, 19, maybe I was 19 or 20. Uh, and I had an experience working at a health food store. And so once I actually ended up working at that health food store, I really started waking up um, about the truth of our food and medical industries in Canada, right? So some of the things that the, the gals were telling me who worked there uh, were shocking. Right. And then it all started making sense. I was like, hey, with my medical history up until now and my experience there, this is really starting to make sense. Right. And so then after that job at the health food store, I had decided that I was going to study natural medicine. And my goal originally was to become a naturopathic doctor. Uh, and, you know, and then part of the other side of me thought, was like, oh, well, you know, with, with the natural medicine education, then um, chances are if cannabis ever becomes legal, this was, again, you know, 20 years ago, right, that I said this, maybe even a bit more than 20 years ago, um, that I would be an ideal person to do things in the cannabis space if I you know, have this education behind me. And if I've got this experience and I've got this knowledge, then it would just make sense that I would be like a really attractive person to have on a team of a cannabis company, right? So I think um, that was a big part of the how, but, you know, after about two and a half years-ish towards moving towards the whole naturopathic doctor thing, I just realized that the one-on-one -on -one thing just wasn't for me. Right. It was just, you know, you know me, I'm a, I'm a sucker in her with emotions and stuff like that. I have a really hard time, you know, separating other people's emotions from, from myself and not taking it all on. And so, you know, when I started kind of doing some practicum stuff, it was just, it was just really emotionally taxing. And I kind of, you know, saw the writing on the wall that that necessarily wasn't going to be the road that I was going to go into. So I ended up just pivoting and deciding to do a business degree instead. Right. So I figured I said to myself, like, oh, well, I could probably do business in the field of natural medicine. 
right? Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have to be the practitioner, um, but I could be working on the business. And so that's exactly what I did. And so after I did some um, kind of executive work before I went back to university for business, I took a little bit of a break, um, worked in the natural medicine industry in the management role, um, just really got clear that I still, I love that space. I really liked the backend business side of things. And so I went back to university, got a business degree at UBC, um, and then when I was finished there, I went back into the natural medicine space and I worked for a few centers for natural medicine um, and I was surrounded by naturopathic doctors and integrative medicine. And I just saw life changing scenarios that people just don't see in mainstream medicine. Right. And so it was all of this awakening that was just such a good experience. Um, and then just seeing all of these different scenarios, I ended up really vibing on the plant medicine side of things. Uh, and I got headhunted to go into the cannabis industry, kind of like just as I had sort of planned in my head. I was like, yeah, if I get this education, I, you know, probably will work in the cannabis space. And then I did. Uh, and I worked there, you know, for about seven years. And and then uh, I cashed out to do my own thing on the entrepreneurship side of things in, in around uh, 2019 with a few, you know, hiccups in between. Um, you know, I ended up, uh, you and I have chatted about this before, but I ended up getting diagnosed with MS. I think it was 2011 or 12. Um, and, you know, continuing on the topic of my brutal experience with mainstream medicine, you know, I was basically told to take this $5,000 a month injectable, right? And that I would likely be in a wheelchair by 2016. And, you know, I, the way that it was progressing, right? And so looking back, <laughs> You know, I'm just remembering all of these different things that sort of like pushed me towards this plant medicine side of things. And, you know, I'm really glad, too, that my experience with mainstream was so bad when I was diagnosed with MS, because had it not, you know, my neurologist was a total jerk. Um, and, you know, had he not been a total jerk, perhaps I wouldn't have looked so deeply into natural medicine. Right. So after that whole diagnosis and, you know, the whole cannabis industry side of things, you know, I was determined to heal my relationship with plant medicine just really grew tenfold and it became a critical part of how. I was able to heal from MS. Like that's a whole nother podcast. So maybe we should like schedule that. For, <laughs> no, schedule that so another time. I'm sure people are very curious and I know, you know, sort of where you're going with your own business now sort of, you know, goes into that. So we can certainly um, talk, but I mean, you're, you're fine and you were obviously yeah. successful as are many people who, you know, venture into the natural medicine space um, and alternative approaches. So, so like true. that's, it's just incredible. And I'm, you know, so happy that, that you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been cool. You know, it's been such an interesting journey, you know, it, it really has. And, you know, kind of circling back to you know how cannabis kind of started it all. It, it is a really interesting thing, right? Because I still do use cannabis regularly, you know, and plant medicine is part of my daily life. I'm not really an alcohol person anymore, thank God. Uh, you know, but my cannabis side of things has gone into a bit of a connoisseur style relationship because my knowledge level has gotten so deep from working in that industry for so long. And it's gone way past the old, you know, oh, would you like a sativa or an indica, right? It's gotten into terpenes and CBD and THC and, you know, all of the different subtypes. And it's a beautiful thing when you kind of like can realize that full spectrum of what cannabis and all the different strains can do for you. And that played a big part of, of getting to where I am now. But yeah, you know, after, after the whole MS thing and plant medicine played a big part of it, but, you know, so did this entire sort of four-pronged approach that I had created uh, to get myself here now. So.
yay, plant medicine. <laughs> yes. And for anybody listening, um, I'm going to be posting Allison's website and you can um, reach out to Allison to like talk if you want advice on the path to take or the road to take or where to start looking with a diagnosis like that. Um, yeah, anything autoimmune. It's so interesting, right? Because when you go through that, yeah, you know, like autoimmune is kind of like a, just a general umbrella and then there's so many different types of autoimmunity underneath it right rheumatoid arthritis and you know Crohn's and you know all the type, different types of things lupus and scleroderma and all these types of things really it just comes down to you know autoimmunity and so uh, I'm definitely happy to share um, whatever I can to help make other folks diagnoses and plans for health a little bit easier. Awesome. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get a lot of uh, people reaching out. Okay, so aside from cannabis and herbs, um, what other plant medicines have you used? I already know the answer to this. I, right. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, do we have a disclaimer on this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, man. You know, again, the whole spectrum of, of plant medicine, you know, talking about umbrellas and, you know, everything that you know, goes from the, you know, shelf of the natural health food industry to, you know, gray area pieces, right? And so the gray area pieces, I think, uh, is a really interesting thing to sort of chat about right now, right? So, you know, I think the other big, big, big category is psychedelics, right? Huge, huge category. And, you know, there's a lot of buzz about it now, you know, after the cannabis industry kind of sort of like peaked and kind of leveled off, then, you know, all of the, you know, investors started being like, well, what's the next big thing, right? So psychedelics, right? So that kind of brought it back to the forefront. But, you know, with that, there's been amazing research um, and so many great things that have happened with psychedelics, right from, I think, like the 50s and 60s. Like there was great research that was happening back then, right? But then Reefer Madness came in and everyone was like, ah, the war on drugs. And, you know, all of the promising research on psychedelics just got squashed, but it's making a comeback, which is awesome, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when it, when I think about the psychedelics, kind of like the first thing that comes to my mind is that like when you get diagnosed with something that has no cure, whether it's an autoimmune disease, whether it's cancer, like whatever it is, you either identify with that disease and succumb to it, you know, or you slap it in the face and pave your own path, right? So... I did the latter, right? I wasn't going to be Allison with MS. Like that was the thing that actually, like it actually physically like makes me angry even thinking about it was just like, my name's Allison and I have MS. No, no, you cannot identify with a disease like that and give it power, right? Like you've got to take it by the reins and take it where you want to go, right? Not Allison with MS. I'm Allison with a whole lot, you know, a whole lot more uh, going on, right? So I wasn't going to succumb to that. And so, you know, because I had been exposed to so many different areas of natural medicine and, you know, impossible stories from, you know, when I was managing clinics and, you know, involved in naturopathic clinics, um, I knew that I could heal if I paired a healthy body with a healthy mind, right? And so how does one get a healthy mind, right? Now, that's a question that, you know, that everybody could use the answer to right about now, right? Um, But, you know, if you're going to go outside of mainstream medicine for healing, you have to go into it with an open mind, right? And how do you get an open mind? 
right? Uh, you know, years of psychotherapy. Well, I don't know about you, but mine costs $200 a session <laughs> for psychotherapy, right? So it is not a cheap journey to like get that open mind through years and years of psychotherapy. And that's the other thing, years and years, right? Like I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on therapy to get to where I am today. But the biggest changes that I actually really did experience were through psychedelics and the fastest, right? So, you know, when I would look at even discussing psychedelics, because had we had this, you know, meeting two years ago, I don't think we'd be talking about this right now because, you know, it's like, oh, I can't, we can't talk about psychedelics. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's not on the table. It's, it's so hush hush. It's so taboo. Right. But, you know, if you think about it, um, so many major medical discoveries had roots where the promoters were labeled as quacks and then proven to have merit later down the road. Right. And so that's exactly kind of what's happening with psychedelics, right? The, the OGs of psychedelics back from, you know, 50s, 60s and 70s, uh, you know, they originally like they were labeled as quacks. Right. And even the folks that are promoting it now, some of them are, you know, still being labeled as quacks. But if we remember what it looks like for major medical discoveries um, is so many of them become something that is groundbreaking after everybody gets over the initial shock and uh, and and structure of calling calling folks quacks as as they started this but you know with that I really weighed the pros and cons of investigating psychedelics at the age that I'm at now right it, again it's one thing when you're a teenager and you know you're growing up in a small town and you know somebody's got some mushrooms and you know it's something that you experiment with as a teenager right but as an adult in the professional space when i was revisiting what psychedelics looked like uh, really when i was looking at the pros and cons like the pros just absolutely won out because i was not about to leave my health in the hands of people who weren't willing to look at the body as a whole right like, I think that that was just Absolutely. such a critical part, right, is that, you know, so many mainstream medical practitioners are only looking at one part of the body, right? And so they give no merit, and I can't say all of them, but many of them don't give merit to natural medicine with regards to healing. So I decided to take the path of other awake folks, like Dr. Gabor Mate, for example, right? If anybody's familiar, I know you are, uh, but if anybody mm -hmm. else is familiar with his research, right, he's... He's, he's an absolute gem, but, you know, I've done all kinds of different psychedelic therapy. Uh, you know, ayahuasca was an interesting experience, right? Um, I ended up doing a, a ceremony just outside of Vancouver with a doctor of Chinese medicine and a South American trained shaman. And again, that's a whole nother podcast, right? Like my whole experience with that, because it was like a three-day weekend, a whole retreat. And, you know, there were things there that you couldn't even touch via years of therapy that were literally healed in a weekend. Like I left my husband on a Friday night and came back on a Tuesday. And like, I felt like I was a completely different person. It was, it was a glorious thing. And, you know, when I kind of look back at, you know, growing up and experimenting with macrodose uh, mushrooms when we were younger, like I do really believe and support that all of the latest research you know, coming out with macrodose mushrooms and ketamine therapy and all of that kind of stuff um, on, you know, depression and anxiety and trauma healing. Like, I remember, like, after every time we experimented that way as a teenager, like, I would have incredible insights the next day. And every time I did a session, it was life changing, like every single time. And even if it was just something as small as 
oh, you know, let's say some girl in high school was being a jerk. And then, you know, we had a, a can of, or, or a, a mushroom session on the weekend. And then I come back and I was like, I don't even care what that person thinks because it like healed that piece of me that was like, I just don't even care. Why did I care about that? Right. So like just healing these traumas. And then, um, you know, aside from the ayahuasca piece and the, and the macro dose mushrooms uh, from back in the day, um, microdose mushrooms, right, is a total thing right now. And that's something that I totally do on the regular. Um, it's it kind of started when, again, some of the stigma started coming off of that when some of, you know, the great minds in the world right now started talking about it and saying like, hey, this is an incredible therapy. There's a lot of benefits with attention and mood stability. And again, just like processing the traumas that you are living with on the day-to-day -day basis, right? So microdose mushrooms is definitely something that is a regular part of my life. Tolerance breaks, though I do take tolerance breaks. Um, you know, and even with like a, a degree of neurodiversity with, you know, nearly all folks have some level of it, I've noticed massive improvements with attention span and all of that, right? So I've definitely had my fair share of experience with psychedelics. Um, I've been involved with, you know, some research in the space, and I'm really familiar with some of the companies that are making waves in the space as well. So it's just, it's a great thing to see people talking about it more um, and seeing, you know, what kind of was this, you know, gray area turn into more of an accepted, accepted therapy. So uh, lots of experience with that, with that. And, you know, it, it for sure has played a big part, I think, even in my own journey with MS and like autoimmunity, right? Because if you think about autoimmunity and you think about it almost metaphorically, like what is, what is autoimmunity? Your body's attacking itself. So I was attacking myself. My body's attacking myself. So what is it? Is it my thoughts? Is it something that I'm taking in? Is it something that I'm exposed to? Well, if you're constantly looking in the mirror every day, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I suck. You know, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough or I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy enough. It's like attack, 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 right? We got to think about the whole effect of what that looks like. And so if you can engage in a therapy like psychedelics to help remove some of those deep seated beliefs that you, you know, picked up through either generational trauma or through just general trauma of being a youth and, you know, a somewhat disadvantaged environment, you know, then it starts to really make sense that there's ways for us to get past this. And, you know, again, circling back to folks like Gabor Mate, you know, it's really theorized that there's a large component of psychological um, trauma. And nobody, obviously your doctor probably won't tell you this, right? Uh, when it comes to autoimmunity, okay? They're, they're really... Yeah. really it's it's fascinating just to touch on the Gabor Mate piece, the yeah. book, um, When the Body Says No, um, is huge in that, talking about all the different sort of diseases and cancers and how they did studies mm -hmm. and how they correlate to specific yes. personality traits. Oh, right. You know, like this, 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 we standardized almost can see that this specific disease, the person that comes in, like I think the, the study researchers were seeing like when someone would come in the door they'd do like a personality test and they could yeah. check off and say like I guarantee this person has this disease yeah. and then sure enough it would show up like it's so yeah. fascinating it is. to be able to start working with psychedelics to start changing your mind and yes. you know, I think a huge piece 
Um, my next question sort of leads into Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, but um, a component that he talks about in there is uh, just how it helps to dissolve the ego. So it dissolves yeah. a lot of that, like, yeah, that repetitive inner dialogue that we're constantly telling ourselves that naturally will have a physical effect on our body and our systems. Yep. And after a lifetime of doing that, like it's going to manifest physically if you're not working on your mind at the same time. So, so true. Um, so in this book, how to change your mind, he talks early about how, as we age, we sort of stop finding the time to have these kinds of experiments, um, experiences, of course, like we talked about as teenagers doing, like I did a lot of psychedelics as a teenager and that was highly illegal at the time, but I really do think it sort of led the path for me, um, to to be open-minded and to take alternative routes and to look at alternative health and, and all these things. So um, he sort of says in the book, which I really loved, um, was that psychedelics are incredible tools for navigating the second half of life, which really got me thinking like, yeah, like we, we just don't like, well, you have kids and you have jobs. You don't have time to just you know, <laughs> eat mushrooms all the time, but, right. but to make the time to do that and to, um, you know, start working on your brain or your mind or your thoughts and getting through these experiences. Um, yeah. So would you agree with that? I do. I totally do. You know, um, it's so interesting, right? Because like entering my forties has literally been the best part of my life. I know it sounds crazy, right? Because, you know, I can remember being in my twenties and thirties and being like, ah, you know, I'm going to turn 30. Oh no, I'm going to turn 40. This is the worst. Right. But then I remember one of my girlfriends saying to me, like, Allison, life starts at 40. She's a couple years older than me. And I'm like, bullshit right and I'm like you're just saying that because you're 40 uh, right but then I turned 40 and she was totally right she was totally right it was like this whole different perspective really kind of rolled in and you know now that I'm entering this stage in my life like I am so much deeper than I was before and again you know looking at how psychedelics played that role I, I think it was pivotal it was absolutely pivotal because again you know like I've years and years and years of therapy. Um, and I never had such incredible leaps of self-development as I did when doing psychedelic therapy. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you think about it so much, so much of life in your twenties and thirties and stuff is focused on surface things, right. Material things and caring what people think about you and, you know, always putting yourself last and just constantly people pleasing, right? Kind of like this whole, you know, someone tell me I'm worthy kind of a shit that happens in your 20s and your 30s where it's just sort of exhausting, right? And so, you know, again, circling back to, you know, spending so much money on on just general psychotherapy, but when I look back, it, it is that psychedelic piece that really gave me this opportunity to heal. And, you know, I am such a documentary monger. Like I know you and I are always texting about like, oh my God, did you see this one? Did you see that one? Right. Um, but I've watched so many documentaries about psychedelics um, and I've been involved in so much research on psychedelics, not only with clients and whatnot that I've had over the years, but also just because I'm just interested in reading research on psychedelics. I bit nerd out a little bit. Uh, if you haven't seen Fantastic Fungi, definitely one to start with. I think you've seen it. Um, but, you know, research and history shows the amazing potential of psychedelic therapy and you know with our mainstream medicine system so tragically behind and just wrapped up in red tape um, and you know conflicts of interest that this piece just isn't necessarily being embraced 
in, in mainstream mm-hmm. medicine, right? So that, again, you know, as we're getting to, you know, like the 40s and 50s and beyond, we kind of really have to look at what is available to us to continue bettering ourselves, right? And, you know, with that, I think it's really helped me break through the shell of what I was, what I thought I was. And it's brought me to being able to embrace my true self and be cool with the person that I am and present my true self to the world, right? And stop people pleasing, right? Because again, had you and I circled back two years ago, I wouldn't be talking about psychedelics right now. I'd be like, oh my God, that's going to affect my, you know, my course of my career. If someone knows that I experienced <laughs> with, you know, that I experienced psychedelics, right? I can't yeah. talk about that. Can't talk about that. That's just bad. It's bad for business at this point. I just don't mind. Oh my God, get your blood out of here. <laughs> <laughs> He's just see, Herb doesn't care about uh, yeah. about anything. Herb has definitely had his experience with psychedelics as well. Um, but yeah, you know, again, just putting myself first, living my best life. Uh, I, I really do attribute a lot of that to all the experiences um, that I've had throughout my life, and a big part of that um, is definitely psychedelics. So I definitely think Michael Pollan is uh, he's right on point. Yeah, I love that answer. And I love that. I totally agree. I think, you know, we spend our 20s and 30s sort of looking for that outside validation. Am I worthy? Am I good enough? I need a title. I need a designation to prove that I'm worthy. And then you just sort of never get it. Well, at least I never did. And when you sort of hit your 40s, you realize like, okay, I'm the only one who can give this to myself. What is wrong with my brain that I'm not giving this to myself. So then you started doing the deeper work and um, it really is just such a powerful tool to be able to do that and to just get deeper, like you said, and have a more fulfilling life and be happier and more content. Like maybe, you know, there's other avenues to doing that, but that's not the road that I want to go down. I don't want to be on meds for the rest of my life to be on a surface level happy. Um, I want deep, fulfillment yes. and contentment and um I think that path is really the road to go to go for that yep wholeheartedly agree wholeheartedly agree so we need to start doing psychedelic retreats is what you're saying. yes we do <laughs> yes we do I think I, I would love, love to do that. a whole podcast actually on people's experiences with ayahuasca because it's just so fascinating oh my gosh. I had you know one incredibly pivotal yeah. pivotal ceremony in my life as well and I've heard it described as 25 years of therapy in one yep. weekend. Totally. And I would, 100%. I would absolutely agree with that as well. It's, it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I love it. I would love to chat about it again. Yeah. I think I wrote it down somewhere. I think I like wrote my whole experience down when I got back on the weekend uh, or on the week after. And gosh, I need to find that because like yeah. I can remember tidbits of it. Right. Um, You know, some of the things that I, I was really meant to remember, but a lot of those other pieces, I would love to kind of like relive that experience. Like, oh yeah, you know, I forgot about that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's all flooding into my mind as mine yeah. as well. It's just I love that. So, so cool. And I love hearing other people's stories too. Totally. Um, so where are we at here? What would you say? I mean, I guess you've sort of covered a lot of that. So maybe I'll move on to you. Oh yeah. So after a long and winding health journey, self-discovery, um, an immense experience that we've, you know, just covered, um, and going through the entrepreneurial space, you're heading into coaching to Mm -hmm. share this wealth of knowledge and experience with others. So that is super exciting. Yeah, it is, you know, it it is. And 
again, you know, thinking back to 20s and 30s and what I thought that I would be doing now, it's just, it's just really interesting because I look back at all the different major experiences that I've had in my life um, and what they've given me. And, you know, I have lived one hell of a life. And if I can share what I've learned to help reduce the pain and struggles that others have to go through, like I'm, I'm here for it. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of resonating to just kind of chat a little bit more about the MS thing and sort of, you know, how that piece is coming into coaching, right? Because in the past, I have, you know, mainly focused, again, just on, you know, business coaching, mentoring, right? Um, but, you know, now that I'm really starting to see that there isn't a separation between business and health and personal life, you know, work-life balance and stuff like this isn't like, oh, everything's got their little compartment. It's all one big thing, right? And so, you know, with the MS side of things, you know, people that get diagnosed with this have so little information available to them, right? You know, they are really all just forced to listen to their doctor, right? Um, and they have no idea where to turn. They are basically just turned into uh, compliant patients when really the folks that are having success in halting and reversing autoimmune conditions. Oh, there's Herb's butt again. I'm sorry. But see, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I don't really care. I've become this person that has a cat on their desk for right. broadcasts and, you know, and, and live <laughs> broadcasts. It happens. Herb's always on my desk and I just don't care anymore. Um, but, you know, again, just, you know, looking at what people are having to deal with when they're being diagnosed with something like this. Like, I think I was, I was only 28 or 29 when, when this happened to me. Right. Um, and, and I can remember what it was like, you know, I was, I was almost 160 pounds, you know, and 120 is about like my happy place. Right. I was exhausted. I was always bloated, brutal digestive systems. I was so stressed out, um, clenching my jaw all the time. My skin looked awful. You know, every day by two o'clock, I, I can remember like I could barely stay awake and, the brain fog was just nasty. And, and then after a bout of optic neuritis um, and the presenting symptoms from there, I was actually, that's when I was given the diagnosis of MS, right? So that was like a pivotal moment. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, my neurologist was just horrible. And, you know, I remember that he came in, he literally like slapped the diagnosis on the table, basically. And uh, when I had a chance to ask a few questions, you know, one of them was with regards to natural medicine and treating MS. Right? I, I said to him, I was like, well, what are people doing in the natural medicine space for MS? And I can remember what he said. And he's just like, they end up in the hospital in three months, and then they'll listen to me in what I tell them to do. And I remember being so shocked when, you know, when he said that, I was like, dude, I was just asking a question. Right. And so I remember, you know, he was a very intimidating guy. Right. And so I remember, you know, just respectfully acknowledging him because he's no dummy either. Right. He's a freaking neurologist. He's been to school forever. He's obviously a smart man, but no zero bedside manner. Right. And so, you know, I respectfully kind of acknowledged what he said, but then I asked again, I was like, okay, no, I, I understand that, but what do they do? Even if they do end up in the hospital three months later, like what are they doing? And <clears throat> I can remember him like staring at me for this awkwardly long amount of time, you know, and it was just like, you could hear these crickets practically. I was just like, okay, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? And what he said to me was, I don't have time for you. And then he stood up and he walked out, you know, and his receptionist let me know he wasn't coming back. And at that moment, I was again, 28, 29, worst news in my life. And, 
I was so overwhelmed and I remember my ears started ringing and I started seeing these spots in my eyes and I was like, I just need to get to my truck. I just need to get to my truck. Um, and I thought I was going to pass out. I managed to leave and get into my truck where I just had like this massive meltdown. And I remember this pivotal moment of sitting in that parking lot in my truck. And that was the moment that changed my life because I decided right then and there that I was going to prove that guy wrong. I was going to heal myself and I wasn't going to let him dictate what my future was going to be. Right. And so, you know, circling that back to what we're chatting about with, you know, moving into coaching people and helping people like many people wouldn't have been able to do what I did um, because I did have that basis in natural medicine. I already kind of had that experience that, hey, I've seen a lot of stuff in the natural medicine space. I have seen people heal from all kinds of different things when mainstream medicine told them that they wouldn't. Um, and so like, just I imagine the thought of what if I would have had somebody to help me through that time, right? You know, cause I, I spent thousands of hours doing my own research and I'm not even shitting you with the thousands of hours. Like, you know, I remember I was, I think I was third year university. I had um, a job at the city <laughs> um, to fill my summer. I quit, you know, as soon as I was diagnosed and I was like, nope, it's research time. And I designated or I, I uh, de uh, dedicated, I should say, the summer to doing the research that I needed to do to kind of get to where I was. And so, you know, being able to share what I did and to give people hope and to help them realize that they've got options beyond the prognosis of what the doctor has told them their disease is going to be like and pair that with my business and entrepreneurship journey, then it all just kind of, you know, naturally aligned because on the business side, you know, as I grew my career and as I started doing more speaking events and, you know, media interviews and, and all that uh, type of stuff, the community started to be a little bit more aware of what I was doing. Um, and so then I was approached by a business accelerator that um, offered me a role as an executive in residence where, you know, I would, I would consult and I would work with entrepreneurs and I would mentor them. And then I also would teach um, through the accelerator. So I taught marketing and sales and business development and all kinds of other things, investor relations. And then with that, you know, I really did realize that, you know, to get to success in business, it's more than just business, right? You know, it, it's not, again, you know, circling back, it's not like these segments of business and personal development and health, you know, it's this like holistic journey. And so, again, I, I think back to what it was like when I started going through all of this. And if I would have been able to have somebody who had all of that information, oh, it would have just been like a guiding light. You know, well, but there's no support. There's no support like no. for that, you know, Zero. aside from just a therapist. But yep. like we're just expected to like work in our entire lives and mm -hmm. you know deal with your emotional stuff on your own time mm -hmm. and um you know be a huge success. Yeah. Oh, I know <laughs> but it's just it is not so straightforward. It's no. like there's so many factors that play into your success and your well-being and your yep. health, and it's all you know cross dimensional and it is it is it's all tied together support it is yeah yeah I remember this fellow that I was chatting with on a business call a couple of years back um and I remember him talking about work-life balance and he's just like there is no period where work ends and life begins and life ends and work begins. Life is work, work is life. And I was just like, ooh, ooh, the wisdom, right? Like, <laughs> you know, he was a, a really interesting fella. And I just remember tucking that in the back of my mind. I was just like, yeah, you're right. Like, there is no, well, I'm going to get some just life coaching, 
you know, because work is life. Life is work. I'm not just going to get business coaching because business is your life. And so, you know, being able to kind of come to the table and be able to give back, because again, I think that's, that's the most rewarding thing for me is to be able to give back. Um, and, you know, I've helped so many people through um, autoimmune issues, um, you know, it just over the last few years of just running into people, right? And they'll be like, oh, did you hear about Allison? Did you hear what she did? Or sometimes my naturopathic doctor um, will get, you know, somebody that comes across, you know, her her desk and it's like, ah, oh, you know, find this chick on LinkedIn. You know, she's been through the rigmarole. She's, you know, had this, uh, been diagnosed, you know, it's 12, 13 years later, no signs, no symptoms of progression. You know, everything is as per normal for her. Talk to her. Right. And so I'm just I'm so excited to be able to make other people's lives easier. And it just gives me a massive good feeling inside to be able to take some of that burden off of some of the other folks who are, you know, trying to build their careers and then also be sidelined by, um, you know, something in their life that just presents a challenge that uh, makes building a business a hell of a lot harder than just building a business, you know. Right. Like I can only imagine if I'd had that kind of support going through my career, because I mean, it's really right. been like a story of like trial and error and a whole lot of error. Right. Like mm-hmm. I can, pr- I can easily tell you all the things that I do not want, you know, right. but I still am sort of searching for exactly what it is, um, you know, that's aligned and to be able to not have to go through the process that I went through. And I mean, maybe that's all part of the journey, but to have that guidance and support during that would just made everything so much easier. Totally. Right. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm really excited for you. I'm really excited to have, you know, helped you get your website up and to see, you know, what comes next. Thank you. Um, Yeah. And where we can intersect uh, again. So we, I know we've had some fun conversations about what, what the future holds. So what are you, what are you looking forward to most for next for Allison? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great that's a great question, you know, because uh, sometimes I, you know, go to bed at night and I sit there and think, be like, what do I want? What do I really want? And then I, you know, kind of bring myself back to this same vision that has popped up over the years. Um, and you and I have chatted a little bit about it in the past is, again, it's this vibe of, you know, giving back and sharing what we've learned with other folks. And when I break it down to kind of like the core. It It is like self-actualization and enlightenment. I know that sounds ridiculous, right? That sounds like, oh my gosh, okay, Gandhi. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> something like that, enlightenment, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, the triangle of, you know, different pieces of the puzzle that need to be in place before you actually get to that self-actualization uh, piece where you're ready to give back and you're, you know, you're taking this higher look or a a higher perspective view on life and relationships and family and all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm going towards, right? And so I'm there. I'm totally there. Uh, I'm ready for it. I really want to share what I've learned. I really just want to give back, you know, all of the horrendous experiences that I've been through in my life. um, I'm here now to kind of give back and to help others who are going through those same experiences. And, you know, from a material perspective, perspective right I've got a portfolio of brands that are out there on the market and you know doing their thing and uh, and that's awesome and all but what really fills my cup the most is helping people get through those experiences that I didn't help you know that I didn't have help for and so um, you know working with entrepreneurs individuals 
Um, that's something that I do on the, on the regular basis. You know, sometimes I, I work with folks who don't have businesses that are just, you know, working at, you know, building their career in a certain direction. You know, I've done some speaking events, which I'm really enjoying, you know, but everything kind of really just focused on that, uh, that trio of, you know, health and business and entrepreneurship. But then, you know, you add the whole being a woman piece uh, into it and being a woman entrepreneur, being a woman executive and, you know, all of those things that you kind of come across. Um, that is what I'm looking forward to doing is working with folks that, you know, kind of have similar goals that are going through some challenges, you know, in those areas. Um, and then I'm hoping, I'm hoping to talk a little bit more on some social channels. You know, I know I've, I've always avoided a lot of social media again, because, um, I don't want to get caught up in, oh, wow, look at, look at what they're doing. Look at their highlight reel. You know, I'm not as good as them. I'm not, you know, as pretty as that person, or I'm not aging as well as that person. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, I'm, I'm so kind of disenchanted with social media and, and the way that people are engaging with it, right? It's just like every other minute people are on there posting pictures of their, you know, nicest smile and their, you know, perfect angle and stuff like that. And again, that goes back to the whole people pleasing thing, right? I, I don't want to necessarily do that. But what I do want to do is I want to start to talk a little bit more on social channels that aren't so much focused on that whole image piece, right? Like, you know, I like LinkedIn, those types of things. I want to talk a little bit more so that I can spread the word. I can help more folks. I can share more wisdom. That is where I'm going next. So thank you so much for asking. I'm yeah. so grateful that we've been able to chat about this stuff. Amazing. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to, you know, following along on that journey. And I know we've got, you know, like I said, in the beginning, we've followed a lot of similar paths in life. And I know we've got sort of similar, yeah. um, goals that we're striving for and um yeah so i'm really just excited to thank you be alongside for the ride yeah thanks <laughs> for, for being part of, part of my circle of trust <laughs> yeah absolutely and thanks for you know coming on here and sharing your story because you know that is part of you know the goal here is to share these journeys and to share these um stories and how we've gotten to where we are and what's helped us is is the goal of doing this monthly speaker series so Awesome. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm happy to share. To. And I will definitely link all your things so that people can reach out and, and awesome. access your services. Love it. Love it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. I will uh, end things here. My child is okay. sitting at the top of the stairs. Oh. <laughs> That's perfect timing. Mom, come on. Yeah. Let's go. I need some triscuits. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad that Herb really, you know, got into the whole like self-cleaning kind of like mechanism in the latter half of our, our session there. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Thanks, sister. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Allison. We'll talk okay. soon. You betcha. Bye.